We are going to talk all about supply chain today, as well as warehouse, how everything from our toilet paper to iPhones to paper products to our, our grocery stores, Costco, like how all that is tied to supply chain and warehousing. How's everyone doing today? Today we're going to be talking with Richard Seal and I'll introduce him a little later and tell you all about it. But the topic of the day is the impact of supply chain on our day-to-day -day life. Because no, at no other period is it more evident than now how important our supply chain is and how we're all connected together. We are going to talk all about supply chain today, as well as warehouse, how everything from our toilet paper to iPhones to paper products to our, our grocery stores, Costco, like how all that is tied to supply chain and warehousing and all that. So we're going to talk to Richard Seal, and I'm going to bring him on in just a few minutes. So today's topic is the impact of supply chain on our day-to-day -day life. And I'm going to be joined by a wonderful colleague of mine that also works at Delaware Consulting, who I support in their hiring as well as their employer branding. And Delaware is a SAP consulting firm. So I'm going to bring on my guest now. So everyone, please help me in welcoming Richard Seal to my LinkedIn Live. Welcome, Richard. Hi, Fanny. Thank you very much for inviting me today. It's an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. So for those of you that don't know Richard, I just want to read you this quick bio of his. Richard is currently the Managing Director for Delaware Consulting, a global SAP consulting organization. Over the last 27 years, he has delivered SAP business solutions across most European countries, China, and for the last 11 years, he has lived and worked in the US. So you'll notice Richard has a very cool British accent. <laughs> you'll look very, you'll look a lot more civilized than, than mine. Um, and he specializes in supply chain solutions in the food and beverage industry, automotive, as well as the aerospace industries. And he's worked for global companies such as Kraft Foods, Dr. Pepper, Carlsberg, and the Boeing Company. So Richard, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Fanny. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, well, I just realized, you know, we should tell people, just in case they don't know, what SAP is. What would you say in a, like a short form what SAP is? An ERP system, enterprise resource planning, helps you manage your procurement, your manufacturing, your finance, your supply chain, it joins it all together. So these are the systems that sit behind our world that uh, all the large organizations around the US and the globe use to ensure supply of many of our products that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely, one software to tie them all, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So Richard, I mean, we, I think we got to starting talking about just 
how supply chain impacts every part of our lives. And as I got to talk to you more, I realized even at the most minute level, it impacts our day-to-day -day life. Like, like we're talking about toilet paper in the news these days. It's, it's ridiculous. And yet, it, it's it, it, it impacts every part of our life. I mean, there are, it's everywhere. Everything we buy, there is a supply chain behind us, supplying and moving product from all over the world. I mean, some of the challenges that we've got at the moment is, uh, as you say, with the toilet roll, over the big demand, everyone started to buy huge amounts of toilet roll and they're storing it in their cupboards at home. Yeah. That puts an enormous amount of strain on the supply chain and that supply chain extends right back. So it goes back to the actual manufacturers of the toilet paper who buy paper, pulp, who then goes right back to, I mean, the forest, the trees. I mean, that's where it all comes from, all recycled paper. Yeah. So there's a huge chain of events and uh, when you put a huge demand at the front of it and pull more in that then triggers more manufacturing more um more buying so uh yeah. moving this stuff through the supply chain is a, a big challenge at the moment yeah and then what happens when so all the manufacturers are kind of making it right because the demand is so high everybody's storing it in their homes so yeah. We Is are going to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we're going to end up with shops that are absolutely full of toilet paper. There's going to be no <laughs> shortage of toilet paper. The demand, the triggers that have uh, have happened of these manufacturing companies have started to manufacture more, and they will be moving more through the supply chain, and uh, there will be plenty for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, what other challenges are you seeing in supply chain and warehouse also? Yeah, I mean, some of the real challenges at the moment, and you may have seen these things on the news as well with the uh, um, some of the large uh, meat producers. I mean, they've uh, in large sort of, they've got huge numbers of resources in some of these plants and we've got this, uh, this challenge of uh, social distancing. Yeah. So, I mean, being able to operate a manufacturing plant, a warehouse, really need to consider how those resources are going to work in these places. I mean, we've all been to uh, been to the supermarket now and we're yeah. all trying to avoid each other or we're trying to walk down an aisle in a certain direction. Yeah. Uh, we're all standing outside in a line. It all depends on where you are. I mean, these are some of the pictures I've seen back in the UK. Um, trying to manage, imagine you're in a supermarket and you're going around with your shopping cart. It's the same in some of these warehouses. Lots of people moving past each other, working in very close, uh, very closely together. So yeah. some of and that some operational are getting sick too, right? I mean, that those uh, pork plant, right? Exactly, and I mean, if people working closely together. Um, mm -hmm. There's a danger of transmitting it. Uh, yeah. So I mean, a lot of operational thinking, and whether you're using IT systems. I mean, I was talking to somebody this morning about. Uh, an IT system using artificial intelligence to try and understand where people are positioned and yeah. to be able to move people around the warehouse and stay away from each other. So there's there's lots of challenges, and these challenges are going to continue into the future. Yeah. They're not going to uh, they're not going to just solve themselves immediately. Yeah, and even transportation, right? The transportation of goods and everything that's affected our air travel. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we're down at what. 85% of uh, air traffic uh, is on the ground. Um, 
So moving products around the world. I mean, a lot of our supply chains start off in places like China, um, Vietnam. Um, a lot of uh, products and components come over there. So mm. if you are moving product by ship and by airline or air, air freight, a lot of uh, there's a lot of disruption at the moment. And mm. we are, we will talk about it in a bit, but the, a lot mm. of our, our household items and all our gadgets we use, um, there are very long supply chains bringing lots of components together. Yeah. And well, even just as far as day-to-day -day life, right? Ordering something on Amazon used to have a two-day turnover, and it's you know at my doorstep two days later. But now it's weeks out the order. Yeah, weeks out. I mean, while while they may be able to pick it in the warehouse, um, it might not be in the warehouse. It might have got delayed arriving to the warehouse. I mean, yeah. we got to go right back to the manufacturer. Are they so we go back to the person who makes the makes the iPhone, but behind the iPhone there is the the components, what are called subassemblies, um, and you work your way down the supply chain, and there can yeah. be many many suppliers putting all these or providing all the parts and the components. Only one of those has to fail, or one of those has to um, stop shipping or can't ship. Then yeah. you can't put the finished product together. So Richard. You know, how do you feel that supply chains need to adapt during this period that we're in right now? And even after all this is, well, it could be months and a year before it's all over. You know, how do supply chains need to adapt? I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of organizations and manufacturing firms shrinking their portfolio of products. We're not necessarily going to see the choice on the supermarket shelves, the size the pack size, the different variations. I think there's going to be a lot of simplification of uh, product portfolios yeah. um, and also considering what the uh, the components that have been supplied. I mean, we very much depend and they may shrink the uh, the product portfolio based on what they can actually ship and receive to manufacture those parts yeah. or they may be just focused in on one particular product group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you mentioned... When we were talking, you talked about like tier one, tier two of supply chains. Tell me more about that again. Yeah, so, so that audience. yeah, so that's uh, that's really understanding all the uh, all the suppliers in a long chain of uh, of companies which uh, pull together products. So I mean, we've got usually at the top of an organization um, an OEM, and that might be uh, an organization such as an automotive uh, automotive manufacturer. Yeah. Um, they make the car. That's yeah. the finished product. But the car consists of many components and Ford, GM, they don't make mm. these components. They assemble it. And that's the same with companies like Boeing. Boeing, yeah. don't, they make aircraft, they assemble aircraft, but mm. they don't make the components in that aircraft. Every little part, yeah. And each, as you work your way down the supplier um, chain, so tier one are the ones below, they may create um, they may create a dashboard or something that they'll pull together components from tier two, and yeah. then you go down to tier three. And it depends on the length of that supply chain and where that supply chain starts, because often mm. it might start in China. It might start in a yeah. plastics manufacturer, plastics pellet manufacturer in China. Yeah. So when we're talking about this hierarchy in these tiers, we've got many organizations who may mitigate their risk when they're yeah. doing buying or sourcing they might buy from two or three suppliers but ultimately if they don't understand the chain they may end up back at the same supplier three or four levels down that hierarchy 
who are providing some raw materials into, into say, plastic. And if you have an impact at that end, you could have a ripple effect all the way yeah. up the supply chain uh, yeah. to the uh, finished product sure. manufacturer. Yeah. Do you see people having to kind of find new suppliers and vendors to work with as a result of that? I think this is a. I think this is a great opportunity. I mean, mm. to uh, not to not to make light work of all this, but I yeah. think it's a great opportunity to uh, to bring manufacturing closer to home. So an extended mm. supply chain um, across the world is a risk. Um, mm. It's often across the other side of the world because of price. Um, decisions are usually made on price when they're pulling these components together. But I think there's a real opportunity to move manufacturing closer to home and to use small and medium-sized manufacturing organizations to uh, to create components parts so i see this as a i see this as a great opportunity for people who can really grab this and yeah. tier two tier three and even tier four manufacturers being able to create components i mean we've seen the the challenges with I think was it some masks and some PPE being manufactured yeah. in other countries. I think there's a real opportunity to, uh, yeah. to bring this back into the U.S. Well, you wrote you wrote an article recently, and one of the things I, I really respect about you, and one of the things I always tell my audience, you know, as a technology professional, you also write a lot of content, right? You also you know contribute to a lot of manufacturing magazines. And this was a quote that you had shared with them. You know, most of the attention has been on the larger enterprises during this, you know, this period. But this crisis provides an opportunity to, for small to mid-sized manufacturers. Tell us what you mean by that. Absolutely. I mean, this, to my point earlier, this is where the opportunity to be able to potentially take some of that manufacturing away from overseas and bringing that back home to be able to provide and de-risk or de-risking the supply chain, ensuring that we can those parts and those components can be provided to uh, yeah. to uh, finished product manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So rather than shipping things around the world with these disrupted mm -hmm. um, supply lines, transportation, airlines, let's bring it back into the US. And then there's a real opportunity to develop and create new jobs in this. Yeah, um, absolutely. But not directly. But recognizing things may get a little bit more expensive sometimes. I mean, yeah. we're, we're yeah. paying for price here. So yeah. things are made overseas because they're quite often cheaper. Yeah. But sometimes it, it may have a direct yeah, impact. It's a give and take. Got to balance it. For You've sure. got to balance it. Exactly. Well, recently you guys, you know, at Delaware had an opportunity to work with a company called Quick Change, right? Tell us about that case study and, and what happened there. They yeah, were... this is really, I mean, I think quite a, quite an inspirational and anybody yeah. who's an entrepreneur in this world. Yeah. So this is a, uh, excuse me, um, this is a small manufacturing company in mm -hmm. England. Um, yeah. And the guy that runs this makes cash boxes for <laughs> banks in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a good customer base um, mm -hmm. and he's been making these cash boxes for a long time. What are these cash boxes made of, actually? Just out of curiosity. I think they're plastic, I think. Plastic, plastic. Yeah. They're putting mm -hmm. coins and things in. Yeah. And so, come, was it six weeks ago um, when mm. the, the world fell off a cliff? Yeah. His business fell off a cliff. But he saw, and one of the key things here is he saw an opportunity because yeah. he had a customer base 
what he did was a not exploit, but he worked with mm-hmm. his customers. He communicated with his customers right. and understood he could was an opportunity. He could use his manufacturing team, his manufacturing site to make sneeze screens. So these are yeah. large plastic screens which uh, sit on the desk at the bank. So when we walk into the bank and we uh, see the desks yeah. and um, the uh, or the pharmacy, these are screens that go up that they've created to um, place between the. Uh, person serving and the customer yeah. so he turned this round and one of his challenges was he uh, he really couldn't manage the supply or he couldn't manage the operation he'd got such a huge demand um out with i think it was 800 customers he had to ship out these screens and one of the things we helped him with was just manage that supply chain and help him right. uh, help him operate um an efficient uh, ordering delivery distribution system to ensure he could meet the uh, the yeah. supply to all these customers that's it right there on the screen right these are the yeah. screens that they ended up producing yep so those are the screens um and they've gone into all the uk banks and interestingly he's then again he's pivoted again he has now yeah. started making face masks well he started making face masks masks and he's also shipping um hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and um f- uh, masks for over your mouth so he's uh he's become the uh the st- distributor to all yeah. the banks and other um he got new customer base as well he's picked up customers such as pharmacies um it's, it's quite an inspirational story of somebody ensuring he can keep his business um yeah. operating yeah, and he had a lot of the raw materials already, I think, because they were he was basically taking plastic that was used for the cash boxes and he's he's used his skills, his raw materials, yeah. his skills, his people. Um yeah. and he's I mean, it's a, a difficult change to do if you've been doing something pretty consistently and then you've got a sure. you've got a pivot to uh, another um type of business. But I think it's I think it's quite inspirational that yeah. somebody has acted sure. at speed very quickly and but the important thing he has worked with his customers and yeah. i think that's what's going to make the success of uh of if businesses they've got to talk to their customers maybe look for new opportunities with their customers not just try and create new markets yes for sure for sure and now like just pivoting a little bit earlier on we were talking about warehouses and how organizations are going to need to plan their warehouses differently Right, you're absolutely. I'm just touching. You've got to be socially distanced, and I mean, just yeah, how do you we plan that. Yeah, we touched we touched on that earlier. I mean, the girl, the great example. If anyone wants to understand what a warehouse is, think of Costco. Yeah. Costco <laughs> is the closest Very thing. Familiar with Costco. <laughs> it's the closest thing to a warehouse. There are what are called racking pallets. I mean, you look yeah. above your head in Costco, and you'll see piles of rat of pallets and you all go along and you pick from the bottom so piece picking yeah. um so you think how you walk around costco um that's you are you are doing very much the same as somebody working in amazon um yeah. you're picking small items you're picking pieces you're putting them in a shopping cart and then right. those items get shipped admittedly there are many warehouses amazon warehouses a lot of warehouses which are pretty much automated in a lot of ways stuff moving around on conveyors but the challenge will be to ensure that people 
and keep a social distance and yeah. uh, and how you operate and say do you go up one aisle and down the other and you walk around in a particular path or pattern yes well even at my grocery store i they've already put down like arrows in the floors to mm. say this aisle is for down that next aisle is for up and so forth so there's one way aisles now at my grocery store yeah, I mean, going shopping is just the end of the supply chain and many of those types of events occur all the way mm -hmm. back down the supply chain, but quite often managed through pallets, full pallets, or yeah. um, as opposed to uh, the boxes, the cases, or the actual consumer unit, which is the thing we buy in the end. Yeah. We have a question here. Long or short on AAPL today? I'm not sure what that question means. Do you know what AAPL means, Richard? <laughs> AAPL. AAPL. Hmm, not mm. sure. <laughs> Let us know, clarify your question a little, please. Thank you. So as far as, you know, what disruptions are you seeing in the supply chain right now? Where do you see kind of some innovations happening and, you know, where is that coming from? Um, I think some of the uh, some of the biggest disruptions are, are literally, as we've discussed discussed at the moment, people, transportation, um, and the supply of yeah. the components in that in that supply chain. I mean, yeah. being able to pull those together in a timely manner um, yeah. is is going to require a lot of planning, and I think that's one of the things that's going to we're going to require all the supply chain is going to supply chain industry is going to need to be a lot of coordination amongst themselves and also a lot of planning um, mm. and understanding where things will come from and where things yeah. and how things will move. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they clarified um, Apple stock. <laughs> AAPL, oh, that's what it, the Apple stock, how has that been impacted by the supply chain? And we talked about that a bit about just, our iPhones, right? Like, uh, absolutely. Our I mean, ourselves, it's affected by supply chain. Yeah, the inter the interesting thing I was, I mean, uh, not to give any stock predictions here. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not a, a trader <laughs> of stocks, but uh, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is China is starting to open up. So, I mean, part of our, my business or our business, the company I work for, has uh, mm. operations in China. They are starting to. Uh, to start operating again so they're starting to come back online so the beginning of the supply chain in china um and the production of uh, of things like phones may start to pick up again but again they're going to have the same challenges with social distancing there um i mean if anyone's ever been to shanghai they'll realize there's a lot of people over there and uh, live very yeah. close together oh yes yes for sure so, I mean, that leads us to like, how how are we going to restart after this crisis? Like, what's uh, going to so happen? Yeah. yeah, so we all came to a very, very sudden stop and everything stopped. Factories, production lines stopped. Yeah. So what we've got to do as a, as a country um, is to consume. We have to buy, we have to start the product, we have to start the yeah. process at the beginning and that will then cause the ripple down the supply chain. We need to buy the cars, we need to buy the iPhones, we need to buy these products yeah. because they will 
require the components to be manufactured, shipped, and all the people that work in the supply chain um, will rely on the whole supply chain starting back up again. And if you, if you try and one thing has to happen before something else. So if you, you can't yeah. produce, if you produce at the very beginning, you need someone to buy your product. And then you're yeah. going to what you're going to have is you're going to have a huge amount of inventory or stock and cash tied up in that inventory and yeah. the businesses may not be able to survive. So it's very important for the large OEMs or large manufacturing mm. organizations to pull through the supply chain, which will result in jobs, will result in um, supporting the economy and bringing it back to life again. And it's such a dilemma, don't you think? Because, you know, on one hand, we need to consume, consume in a way to start the supply chain. But at the same time, you know, people are losing their jobs and we're in like save and conserve mode right now. Right. That, that, that's I mean I'm not an economist by the no, way. <laughs> no, Again, purely like just as a. Uh, this is this is always the dilemma level, of. Right? Yeah, it's just yeah. a dilemma of a recession. It's like which comes yeah. first, chicken and egg, basically. I mean, you need to spend to make. If you make employees, it's all about risk and people prepared to uh, to take the risk and take the investment. So it, it is a it is a challenge, and I mean, let's let's think beyond. Um, just products like iPhones. Let's think about services. I mean, yeah. we we think uh, um, we buy a coffee from Starbucks. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people employed in Starbucks, but there's a huge supply chain behind Starbucks as well. Think about a, a coffee cup. A coffee yeah. cup is made out of paper, has a plastic yeah. lid on it. Um, that has a long supply chain coming up from paper again. Um, yeah. Coffee comes in uh, plastic bags. Um, yeah. It's there are the supply chain impacts every part of our uh, world and environment, and to get it started is a is is going to take quite a lot of effort by everybody, and it's and I and I think nowhere like I feel like now more than ever we're so it's so evident how we're like tied together, right? Every action we take, the things that we buy affects. A job down the line and affects a production line down the line. Our lives are also like interwoven uh, in an incredibly complex way. Very mm -hmm. complex. Are very yeah. interwoven. There are so many things that are dependent on everybody else. And the nature of this crisis has, I mean, has brought this thing to an absolute standstill within a fraction of time. Yeah. Um, and the ripple effect of that is is being disastrous across the yeah. board and yeah. uh, across every step in that chain and to yeah. try and bring that back up again um i mean it's it's anyone's guess what's going to happen i mean right. i'm hoping that uh, i mean we're all hoping that it uh, it does start back up again and we are yeah. i mean the supply chains affects everybody from I mean, myself in the it industry i mean we yeah. work for these organizations who are manufacturing right. things i mean one of our customers is an automotive customer makes uh, catalytic converters um they're stopped because yeah. car businesses manufacturing has yeah. stopped so there's no yeah. the project has stopped so it's you, you the ripple effects is uh, is enormous across really every aspect is. so we have a question from daryl Sorensen. he said how do we do a better job with getting the ppe where it is needed any thoughts on that, Richard? 
where it's needed. Mm. Um, well, the I front mean, line and yeah, I mean, first, yeah. fundamentally, first of all, it's got to be manufactured. It's got to be made in a timely, planned manner, which is uh, is a little bit disappointing that the uh, the um, the plan to actually store this stuff wasn't there yeah. in the first place. But I mean, distributing it um, is is really understanding and having a plan in place to understand mm-hmm. where it needs to go. Does it need to? Which frontline workers? I mean, yeah. off the back foot doing this, there's always seems a little bit chaotic. But with any supply chain, it's about planning. It's about understanding of channels to market. It's understanding the uh, the transport. It's understanding the people that will support that process. Um, if you if 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 that's not done up front, um, and I think if any lesson we can take from this crisis is the importance of uh, of uh, PPE, the healthcare, yeah. um, the whole, the all. Yeah. The, means we're looking at some we're of the most important workers in the in society, um, the healthcare uh, professionals. Um, they need to be supported, and For that sure. requires um, a plan right from the front. Absolutely. And so, just switching gears a little bit. I mean, Richard, like all this stuff is is just. I think it really makes us think about every activity and every action and every contribution that we have to to the supply chain. Um, but switching gears a little bit, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot, and you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about is is content creation. Right? You yeah. nowadays you write a lot of articles and you know you're you're a technology professional and you know the 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 thinking around that is you know a lot of times they're not the first people you're thinking of to be creating content but you write tons of articles for manufacturing magazines and all kinds of uh, blogs and contribute to webinars how did you get started on on linkedin content creation and, and what made it motivated you to do that I got kicked up the backside by uh, our marketing <laughs> manager who said, you need, to, uh, you need to do something, you need to get involved. And I was a little bit sort of, okay, I'm not too, uh, mm-hmm. not too into this at the moment. I really, uh, I never put my face on LinkedIn. I yeah. never I just put my basics, worked here, 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 and I left right. it. And then about right. a year ago, I got involved uh, presenting at um, SAP's conference they hold an annual conference a very large conference down in orlando and i got uh, i got presenting there and that presentation was then transferred into media and then published on linkedin and then i we got a marketing agency and i've spent a lot of time working with those guys putting content together and again over time it's it's the thing if you don't do it you're never going to learn how to do you make mistakes you um i mean as I'm doing now, this is the first time I've done LinkedIn Live. So <laughs> it, you're doing uh, great. <laughs> yeah, and try it. Um, yeah. You, uh, um, yeah. it you, you've got to you've got to do these things. If you're not doing it, you're not going to get better. I think um, it's and, uh, and creating content. I mean, I have a number of uh, my team. I encourage to write. Uh, mm. Though they're not writing magazine articles, I'm getting them to create LinkedIn content. Just yeah. that we direct onto their under their names so i'm getting i'm getting and i always i always say don't write anything more than two pages two pages of letter and then we'll throw a few diagrams in and then we'll get it topped and tailed by the uh, marketing department so we've got a sort of a stream of of 
articles which are very relevant for the technology space um, and in particular warehousing and supply chain but Mm -hmm. i'm really trying to encourage other people to get out there and i mean my i manage the uh, the global supply chain capability yeah Uh, and it's it's just pushing us and we have a a real drive to uh, to get content onto mm. LinkedIn. Right. So what would you, what kind of advice would you have, like for people that are hesitant to post or hesitant to put themselves out there, right? Like we're, we're sometimes bounded by fear and, you know, fear of what I people think, might think and all that, like. I think we're in a different world as I mean, okay, putting to side the, um, the COVID crisis we've got yeah. at the moment, we're now, in an environment where we've got to use these channels um, to either create your own personal brand or create a brand or enhance the brand of the company you work for. Um, I do think it, uh, it requires a little bit of thought on the content you put out there. And I think the time invested in good content yeah. um, is really important. Um, it's got to try and have some value. It's got to have some insight. Um, if you can, I mean, it's it's not just about chucking anything out there. It's about thinking about it, talking to people, using ideas, using experiences. If you talk from the heart, right. sometimes it, uh, okay. it becomes a lot more a lot more valuable, and you, you demonstrate passion in your uh, in your content. For sure, yeah, yeah. I always tell people like it's not just about your expertise; it's about your values, your strengths, your interests, and then pulling all that together for for online content. Absolutely. Absolutely. So any benefits you've seen from creating content and and posting content, Richard, as a technology Uh, professional? Well, yes. I I mean, it's there's a couple of things. I mean, it's actually created a number of opportunities for us, um, which has been really interesting. People have reached out to us and uh, and uh, we've uh, um, generated new uh, new business and new opportunities from it. But I, I think it's I think it's that's old adage is if you're not out there you, you yeah. become irrelevant in a way right. I think it's about creating a I mean whether people have done advertising in the past just through traditional magazines newspapers tv and things they had to do it to be to create a market presence and I think this right. has become more important as we uh, as we progress and use technologies and uh, and platforms such as LinkedIn for sure well let me see if there's some folks let us know if you have any questions for Richard about supply chain, about warehousing, even just about content creation as a as a technology professional and as a uh, supply chain professional. Let us know in the comments below. Uh, Tolgare said, "Great show and topics covered so far. Appreciate that." And uh, somebody said, "Magazines." <laughs> I guess we mean online publications because these days fewer of us are flipping through publications ourselves. I'm referencing the magazines that were, and that's the point that they are the old. Now we're moving to the um, the newer content, right? Exactly. It's uh, but the presence always had to be there. If you didn't have a presence, you were you've got to grow and keep that presence. For sure. So, Richard, as we kind of wrap up the show, what any final words or final thoughts or final advice you have around, you know, supply chain and how, you know, advice and hope that you would give to manufacturing companies? I'm hoping we can get back to 
lot of the ways we were doing. I mean, I think we're going to be changing some of our habits and um, some of the, the ways we used to operate before are going to have to be very different. Um, and I'm hoping that we can pick up the uh, the demand at the beginning of the supply chain and ensure we can uh, try and get jobs, we can get manufacturing operations, supply chain, everybody. I mean, it's that's the hope I've got. Um, I think it's very important for the... Uh, the economy and our our own personal well-being as well which uh, i think sure. is uh, is going to be a bit of a challenge in some areas yeah and adaptability right you got to be adaptable and, and find yeah, I, those opportunities and pivot and adjust yeah i think i think you've got to look at uh, mm. i think you've got to look at the crisis and i mean opportunity comes from a crisis sometimes and uh, mm. and new entrepreneurs and there'll be new businesses yeah. i mean there's been examples in the past where some of the yeah. biggest organizations um, that are around us now were created during some of the uh, the depression, uh, great, yeah. the Great Depression and things. Yeah. So if you go back, I can't remember some of them, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think somebody mentioned Google to me was created in 2000 and uh, was it when the dot-com crash occurred or something? Don't quote me on that one, but it was yeah. it was yeah. another one that was potentially created. So. It's in a way you've got to look at these things and see if there's a, is there an opportunity? Can I do something different? Can I uh, right. can I create a new idea? Can I create a new business opportunity? Can I work with my customers? Can I work with my suppliers? Who can I who can I and what can I do different? I think right. it's. Uh, um, I mean, I was trying to explain to my son basically who is a. Uh, mm. Who's just graduating? He's going to have to yeah. think differently if he wants to try and get a job. He's not going to just turn up and bang on the door, and give him the job. He's going to have to be different. He's going to have to think differently. He's going to have to make himself appear different. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the crazy times that all the graduates are having to face to come out into this job market right now. You do. You really have to stand out and be different. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm telling him to do digital marketing and build himself a brand, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, high, I'm looking for an intern, Richard. <laughs> Does he want to join? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, we have a question for Prasad. We both know Prasad from yep, Prasad. Uh, he said, how is smarter supply chain solutions like Industry 4.0 economically viable? especially for small and low-profit consumer goods industries? I think that's a very good point. I mean, some of these technologies are quite expensive, but I think there's a – I was discussing um, blockchain with somebody the other day, and yeah. blockchain is the way of uh, ensuring a traceability all the way down the – down a chain of events and many yeah. people will associate blockchain with things like bitcoin and things like that mm -hmm. um, but there's a real opportunity for certain technologies like blockchain to be used in the supply chain um, and whether ai and things i mean it, these things have got to be looked at in a different way now they've got to be rather than just the cost but what are the benefits and what are the ways of reducing risk within that supply chain I mean, if you don't adopt, adapt some of these technologies, you may not exist. Um, so it's it's trying to yeah. find the uh, the technologies at the lowest cost that can help reduce risk and ensure um, you're still there as a business as well. For sure. And then Daryl had a uh, question about 
what techniques would you suggest for forecasting demand into the next season and not too much, um, you know, TP? <laughs> TP is in transportation planning, Daryl, or toilet paper? <laughs> but maybe talk a little bit about, you know, suggestions for forecast demand. I mean, how, how are we going to foresee the, the demand moving forward? I think this is a huge challenge. I mean, everything forecast is always based on history. Mm. And our history at this point in time, if you were to look at the last two months of consumption, um, it might be pretty much zero in some industries. So if they did a forecast of that, they wouldn't. So I think some people are going to have to, it's back to working with both your customers and the suppliers to understand how uh, what you need to forecast I think there's got to be a lot tighter collaboration in that supply mm-hmm. chain. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're just going to run a forecast off the data that you've got, I think it will give you an erroneous. Uh, For sure. Uh, or as we discussed at the beginning with toilet paper, if people yeah. are running forecasts off the demand that's gone through the roof, they'll yeah. suddenly be manufacturing far more than they ever did in the past. Yeah. So it's, uh, the demand's not going to be there in another month. <laughs> well, yeah, they'll suddenly be not getting the sales orders from the uh, from the the, the, uh, the grocery stores, and uh, um, they'll be sitting with a huge amount of uh, toilet paper and cost and cash sitting in a warehouse. I mean, every everything that's manufactured is your working capital, and that's got to be carefully managed um, within that supply chain. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, Sanju said, thanks for arranging this. And thank you f- to Richard for the insights. I, yeah. I so appreciate your time, Richard. It's, it's just fascinating. I'm, uh, you've really opened up my mind in terms of thinking about every little aspect of my life that's touched by supply chain. I think we go about our lives and take everything for granted, I think. And then this, this whole COVID-19 thing has hit this huge reset button and you really do begin to, or I begin to really notice like every little thing impacts our lives, our day-to-day lives. Uh, absolutely. I mean, with supply chain is around us and we, I think we take it for granted. And there's uh, a lot of people that uh, work in these businesses from Amazon to bringing prime products to our door, to delivering products to Starbucks, to delivering Anything and everything. Everything. And Michelle, thank you for tuning in. She says, totally agree with blockchain for supply chain visibility and transaction security. Thank you for commenting, Michelle. And thank you for watching. For all of you out there, thank you for watching this. And thank you for contributing to the conversation. I hope we've kind of asked, you know, given a little pause in your life today to just think about all the things that we have and, and all the things that we are thankful for, right? We, I think we, we took a lot for granted. I took a lot for granted. And um, I think it's a great way to to just kind of take stock and, and be thankful these days as well. Yeah. So thank you, Richard. Thank you for all your right. time. All right. Thank <laughs> and, you very much, Fanny. Appreciate it. And uh, stay yeah. safe. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. So I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for watching. I hope I created some value for you folks with Richard today. And uh, I'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. Thank you. Bye now.